Welcome to Beyond Bite Wings, the business side of dentistry, brought to you by Edwards & Associates PC. Join us as we discuss how to build your dental practice, optimize your income, and plan for your future. This podcast is distributed with the understanding that Edwards & Associates PC is not rendering legal, accounting, or professional advice. Listeners should consult with their business advisors before acting on any of the information that is shared. At Edwards & Associates PC, our business is the business of dentistry. For help or more information, visit our website at enassociates.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Beyond Bite Wings. In today's episode, we will be talking about HHS and PRF reporting. Within the studio, we have Robert. Good afternoon. Lynn. Hello. And myself, Ash. So how are we doing today, guys? We're doing good. Great. (laughs) That wasn't too reassuring. We We really are doing really good, yes. Okay, that's good, that's good. What are you going to tell us today about HHS? Probably more than you want to know, but it's, I'm sure of it, that. it's time that we start learning some of this. Although, <laughs> uh, apparently the buzzword now is PRF. When we first started talking about it, we all called it HHS. So suddenly now, it's being called PRF. So, that sounds for Provider Relief Fund. Oh, thank you for telling me because i was wondering what <laughs> yes. that stood provider relief fund <laughs> okay. so they were issued the checks were issued by hhs but they were issued from the provider relief fund so mm. so now the acronym has changed because that's what we needed in in the accounting world is one more acronym of course so so what was the provider relief fund what were these distributions you might be asking cuz you've mm-hmm. probably tried to wipe your mind clean of all COVID related <laughs> things, which I've done as well, but no, these are rearing their ugly heads and they're going to haunt us for a while. I'll tell you why mm-hmm. later, but so these under one of the many stimulus packages, they were provided to healthcare providers that were specifically for preventing, preparing for, and responding to coronavirus. I started off with Medicare providers. They got the first round. Then it was expanded to Medicaid providers and then all dentists in general. And it kind of went from there. And then there was another distribution that was a targeted distribution where you had to be in certain highly affected areas or isolated areas, things like that. And you had to be invited to participate in, in the targeted distribution. But the general distribution went out to many of the dentists. And so they're going to have to to do the reporting. And I think the first question that came up was, was, you know, the purpose of the money to prevent, prepare for, and respond to coronavirus. And it it had a specific requirement where you were treating patients who potentially had coronavirus. And that's where a lot of the dentists were like, well, I don't want to want to treat them. I don't want them in my office, which, you know, who can blame them? But that could be any patient. Well, and that's what they they finally came back and said. Any any patient is a potential coronavirus patient. Therefore, any patient qualifies you to receive this money. And so once that was clarified, you know, all bets were off. Yes, everybody was accepting the money. Of course, it's, you know, it, they needed to needed it to help them get through that you know, time period. So, so this is not like a stimulus money. This is more like money received for lost revenue. Right. Well, it was was two purposes, primarily covering expenses related to 
preventing, preparing for, and and responding to coronavirus. So expenses related to sanitizing and things like that, and for lost revenue because of the shutdown or because you couldn't see patients as regularly as routine as back to back as you could before. You had to space them out and things like that. So, yeah, those were the the reasons for the funds. Um, and when you received the money, you had to sign an attestation and. The email specifically said not signing the attestation and accepting the money means you were attesting to what you were supposed to (laughs) sign off on. So whether you signed off specifically or not, if you accepted the money, you agreed to their terms. And one of their terms was you had to report on the use of the funds and a lot of other metrics. So. It's government money. There's strings attached. That's the bottom line. And so, so, you so, mean, now, so you mean they had to tell the government how they spent the money? They had to agree that they would tell the government how the, they were going to spend the money. Okay. Yeah. A- among other things, you know, they were going to use it for what it was intended for, things like that. But one of the requirements was that you would you would do the reporting that, that was going to be coming due. And it was supposed to start in January of 2020. And like a lot of things, that got 21 January 2021, and and like a lot of things, that got pushed because just nobody was prepared. I see. And that's what today's episode is about. The reporting. The reporting. Right. So they've released, they, HHS, has released a table showing the time period. So when you have to report is dependent upon when you got your funds and how much you got. And so the first reporting period will actually, it is July 1st. 21 to September 30, 21. But we're finding really across the nation that not many dentists are subject to that reporting period because they either didn't get anything in that time period, which you would have to have received something between April 10th and June 30th of 2020. The only people who received those funds were Medicare providers. And so uh, a lot of the dentists weren't taking that or what they got was very small. And you have to have received over $10,000 in that period to have a reporting requirement. But most of the dentists got their big, you know, payments between after that date, which was like July 1st of 20 and December 31st of 20. So if you got your payment during that time period, which is when the bulk of the payments started going out, then you don't report until January 1st, 21. 22. We're in 21 now. (laughs) Dates. You'll report next January. Okay. First quarter of next year. So, and you can't report early. Okay. And you can't report late. There's no extensions. What's the penalty if you don't report? Well, there's no, quote, penalty, no monetary penalty, except that you will be perceived as out of compliance and subject to repayment of the full amount. Because what you're reporting is that you spent the money on what it was intended for, if you don't report, they're going to assume you did not spend the money on what it was intended and uh, you have to repay, repay it. it. So okay. we would advise you this is a deadline you don't want to miss. I mean, they're sending out lots of reminders, so I think it will be difficult to miss it. But, you know, life gets in the way sometimes of these things. Well, how are they sending out the reminders? I think they're coming by e- email Straight from HHS. Okay. And of course, we'll be reminding our clients as well. But you know, if you miss it, there's nothing you can do. You can't go back and report late. Like right now, you can't even report early. So if you forget inadvertently to report during the period 
in which you're supposed to report, mm-hmm. you can't report late? That's correct. Okay. Yep. I don't think you'll, well, it's hard to say because we haven't been able to experience that yet. But the evidence is you can't, once you're, you can only report when the portal is open for your reporting period. So right now you can't access anything that's outside of that period. Okay. So I think that re- that portal will close and the next one will open and you won't be able to go back and right. access that portal. Okay, uh, that makes sense. Yeah. So let me ask you this. If a client or a business owner was not able to use the full funds that they've received, what happens to the excess? Do they have to pay it back or can they use it in the following period? Right. That, well, the simple answer is if they don't use it all, uh, they have to pay it back. But... If you have lost revenue, that helps. So you have to use it on, you have to report that you spent it on fighting coronavirus, coronavirus, sterilizing, things like that, which we'll talk about some of those expenses, and then also on lost revenue related. So you, you want to have used it, quote, used it with your expenses first, and then lost revenue for any difference. So if you have, more lost revenue than money received, you could use that if you receive money in a, in a following period or something like that. If you were to have expenses and lost revenue less than you received, then you would have to return the excess. I don't think people are expecting that to happen, but it's hard to say. Some people got really big checks and the expenses are not going to be anywhere near the amount that they received. It would have to be the lost revenue component that will make up the difference. So what's really big? Six figures? Yes. Wow. Okay. But there were some cases where, because one of the distributions late in the year of 20 was supposed to get you up to 2% of your 2019 revenue. And some people didn't get the full amount for various reasons, but eventually they were kind of made whole. And some people weren't made whole until 21. Well, that's going to be in a separate reporting period. So you're only looking at the specific period by period. And there's a good table online. We're going to post it on our website as well. But so if you receive over $10,000 in a single period, then you have to report. So if you got 10000 well, let's say you got $8,000 in December of 20, and you got $20,000 in January 21, you don't have to report this year. You wouldn't have to report until till that time period starts, mm-hmm. which is really late. So anything under 10,000, no reporting requirement? Right. And it it aggregates during the period. So if you get a check within the period and a second check within the period, and that's over 10,000, then you have to report. Okay. But once that period's closed, that money's forgotten. For, you don't have to add it to the next period. Then you have to get up to $10,000 again to have to report. So let's say somebody received more than $10,000 in two consecutive reporting periods. Would they need to show that they've utilized those funds each given period separately? So, you know, just for example's sake, let's say during one period they received $30,000. Do they have to spend the entire $30,000 or do they have to show that, okay, we've used $30,000 in this given period and we still have some additional funds that we will use in the next period because we haven't received it yet. Well, do they have to spend the money in the same period they receive it? Mm. These are such great questions. (laughs) (laughs) 
And this is where it gets complicated. I'm hoping that when they actually get to the reporting, it will be more straightforward and not a lot of hypotheticals. But the answer to your question lies in the fact that the period that you use the funds starts on January 1st of 2020. And yes, that's the date I meant, January 1st, 2020. And it goes to the end of the period every time. Let's see if we can come up with an example and let's forget about expenses for the moment. Let's just talk lost revenue. And lost revenue is going to be as compared to 2019. That's going to be your base year for all calculations. So if you had lost revenue in, say, second quarter of 2020, because that's when most of the mm-hmm. dentists had their lost revenue. If you had lost revenue of, let's say, $100,000, let's make it easy, and you got $50,000 from HHS, that's, I have no idea if those numbers make any sense. Okay. No, it's super 000, simple, so. yes. More than 10000 you have to report, and you have lost revenue to cover it, so you're good. You'll report your lost revenue of 100000 You've utilized the funds. You won't have to recoup any. You won't have to repay any. And you've done your reporting, and you're great. If then you got another, say you got another 50000 in the next reporting period, will you still have 50000 of lost revenue that you hadn't covered in the previous reporting? So you can use that to report in the following period. Oh, and can. that would cover that $50,000 okay. that you got okay. in the following period. So it's cumulative. It's sort of cumulative, yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I don't know that the expense pieces, that's why you're going to want to kind of use utilize that first, your expenses when they actually happen, and then supplement that with the lost revenue. Okay. Okay. And I think what what is, because in most cases, there is PPE expenses, and there are other expenses, we can talk about those. But I think largely the expenses are not going to be as high as the payments. I think lost revenue is going to cover either the majority of the payment or it might cover all of the payment. And I think there's going to be a desire to just report your lost revenue out of simplicity. I started to say it sounds like the simplest approach. Yes. And, and I would agree with that. And, and we've sort of taken that approach on other stimulus things. But I'm not sure if it's the best strategy here. Because since these things are cumulative and since there is an opportunity for more disbursements, I think you want to reserve some of that. It may be total. We may come back in December when reporting is about to start and say there's not going to be any more disbursements. If you if your lost revenue covers it, that's all you need to report and your life is simple. But as of right now, there is a possibility of more distributions. So as long as that's the case. I think you want to report everything you have in case there's another round that you might could qualify for, but you have to show that you spent it. You're not yeah. going to be able to go back and say, oh, well, I really did spend it. I just didn't report it because I didn't need to. Well, they're not, probably not going to accept yeah. that. Okay. Oh, I see. That actually makes more sense as to why they're not going to allow early reporting. Because mm-hmm. if there's an opportunity for a round four or phase four, mm-hmm. then that would help. So let's talk about some of the expenses Mm-hmm. Um, that are eligible. Got any ideas on on what would be eligible? I don't know. On eBay, I saw this gun called Coronavirus Blaster. Would that count? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to comment on that. But things like that okay. that are legitimate probably would count. So, of course, your extra PPE counts. I mean, you were already buying gloves and masks. Those would not count. 
But if you started buying N95 or you were buying a, a, a higher quantity because you're face shields, yeah, face shields, uh, the, uh, the gowns, gowns yeah. you know, things that you weren't buying before, even more like so if you're changing your mask more often, things like that, all of that counts. The plexiglass partitions that you put up, that counts. So mm-hmm. so tangible things that you purchase. Absolutely. OK, so like the, the um, air purifiers, improvements to your HVAC system. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. What about uh, the technology side, like UV yes. protection? Or- yes. So like UV lights, mm-hmm. that was a big thing that would definitely count. And, and you get the full cost. It's not like a depreciated amount. Any extra sterilization equipment that you bought. Batteries needed to operate those UV machines. Yeah. I would oh. say yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you had, if you added cleaning, you know, additional cleaning services to your office, that would count. But again, it's going to be, you know, time consuming to to find all of these things and add them up. That's going to be the yeah, the hard part. Is. And you need to know them by time period. You have to report them by quarter. So you can't just go through your things and go, oh, I spent, you know, $8,000 on gloves. Well, you got to report them in the right period by quarter. So you're really going to have to do Good record keeping. Start your record keeping now is what we would recommend. We'll talk about that later. Talking about technology. So a lot of practices implemented iPads to sign in on. Mm-hmm. Those would count. Okay. Uh, if you expanded your Wi-Fi for, for that, that would count. If you did any remote working or teledoc and extended your internet service, that would count. A lot of those, it sounds good. It sounds like a big list. But in the end, some of those things just aren't very expensive. Mm-hmm. What if they did some kind of upgrade to their website? So, you know. Yeah. For like patient check-in mm-hmm. and things like that. Yes, that would count. Oh, wow. Yeah. Pretty much anything. It's one of those, like the question that clients like to ask, what what can I deduct? Any legitimate cost for your business is deductible. Some things are limited by IRS rules, but for the most part. So in this case, it's similar. So any legitimate thing that, that you spent because of COVID that you wouldn't have spent before is deductible or even that you implemented early. Like maybe you were going to do iPads, you know, next year, but you did them for COVID. That's that counts. All right. The, you know, air purifiers. Yeah. A lot of people were considering those, but yeah. just pushed them over the edge. Exactly. They absolutely bought them. Right. Okay. That's totally acceptable. But once, once that doesn't cover your entire receipt, then you're going to have to go to lost revenue. And that also has to be counted or calculated quarter by quarter compared to 2019. They're actually, like three methods that you can use to calculate it. But the only method that is going to make sense for 99% of the dentists is the actual 2020 revenue compared to 2019 quarter by quarter and 21 also, because the reporting goes from January of 20 through December of 21 for, for some of these periods. But you compare quarters of like first quarter of 20, you would compare to first quarter of 19. Correct. And first quarter of 21. You would also compare to first quarter of 19? Correct. Okay. Yeah. 2019, you're going to have to report all of the quarters. That's going to be considered the base quarter. And some of the qu- quarters, you're not going to be down, right? And the, right. Like first quarter of 20 was on pace. It was great. 2020 was on pace to be an exceptional well, year. And then and, wham. And I'm thinking about the third quarter of third 20. Quarter was Most really people high. rebounded really right. high. Right. You have to report that. And so... There's going to be some trepidation when people are filling out this reporting that that's going to count against them because it is way up, but it doesn't count against you. You do have to report it 
but it doesn't count against you. Only the lost quarters count in your favor. The gained quarters are ignored, but you do have to report them. Same thing with other relief that you received. So if you got grants, you got idle grants, you got county grants, any of that. Not sure if PPP count as money received. There's very specific lines, line items on there. Those all have to be reported, but they don't count towards your revenue. You still, you're still going to have that patient care loss. Okay, great. And is is this revenue collections or production? Right. That's a good question. It's supposed to be based on how you report for tax. So you're going to want to use, in most cases, you're going to want to use collections. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. So I, I think the key thing to remember here would be paying attention to the timing mm-hmm. of when we recognize the expenses and, you know, paying extra attention to the quarters of the collections. Now, is this something you would say our clients would be able to handle themselves or would you recommend them to seek professional advice? I'm actually on this one. I'm recommending that they handle it themselves. I think uh, there's going to be a lot of information again you you got government money with strings attached and they want a lot of information beyond just expenses and lost revenue that we could do that part right Mm -hmm. Uh, they'd have to provide us all the receipts and they that's that would be a, a nightmare but we could do it but they also want patient metrics uh, your division of income so what came from insurance and what came from medicaid and what came from direct pay they are going to want to know your employee metrics and and facility metrics there's things that so much that we wouldn't know and so it would be i think much easier for the office to do it themselves probably the front desk person or someone that the doctor trusts could probably handle most of it for them now the things that they're going to need from from their cpa is the quarter by quarter collections the, the revenue numbers that we can help them plug in. We can, I think it's going to be easier for the accountants to provide that to the client rather than the client to provide the other 95% of the information to us. Right. So that would be the difficulty. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, because it sounds like most of that information will come from their practice management software. Mm-hmm. And not- A lot of it will. And then again, like we have expenses, but for the most part, we don't, we don't get every receipt, right? We see the payment to Henry Shine and Patterson, but we don't know what on there was PPE. We know it was dental supplies and we know it was equipment and we know the, the big breakouts, but we don't know what was PPE. Uh, you have a, you know, a payment to Apple. We don't know if that was COVID related. Mm-hmm. You know, there are things like that. So we would have to be going through. You would still have to be telling us for us to just go in and input it. I think it's going to be much easier for them to do it themselves. And we're going to provide instruction, like probably in a a tutorial video, helping them walk through that. And they have, HHS has a, an Excel workbook on their website, which Mm -hmm. we're going to post on ours as well, that shows all the different expense items and the income items. It it helps you to know what information to start gathering. It's a place to go ahead and, and input it because you can't report it now, even if you wanted to, you couldn't. So you could go ahead and gather it and have it ready for when the portal opens. You could just input it from there. So it sounds like back to one of the first things you said, it'd be easiest just to report the lost revenue. Right. It would. Rather than going through all these receipts. It it absolutely would. And again, I'm hoping that when we get closer to the actual reporting date of, of when the majority of the clients have to report, that we can say, yeah, our advice is just to report the lost revenue and move on. Hopefully all the distributions will be behind us. It won't matter. 
how you spent it because there's no more coming. And that would be the easiest route. It's going to be the lost revenue route. Okay. But there could be a scenario in which someone got more than they could spend and more than they lost because I don't think a lot of practices lost as much in the second quarter as they anticipated would be the case. And so some people got, you know, significant funds that may be too much. They may have to return those. And you have to return the excess within 30 days of the end of the period. So the end of what period? The end of the reporting period. Okay. So like for for the majority of the people we're talking about, it would be April 30th of 22. Okay. Oh, I see. So not the distribution period, but the reporting right. period. Right. Yeah. Okay. Anything else that's incredibly important that people need to focus on? Because we're about out of time. No, I think the the things to remember are you can't do this right away. You can't do it until early 22. So don't forget. And if you received a payment in January of 21, which a lot of people did, you can't report that until July of 22. So we're talking a year from now and you can't do it in advance. So don't forget. That's the number one thing is don't forget. We're going to remind people. Right, right we are. <laughs> and then the number two thing is go ahead and well, get registered if you haven't. I think most most practices have, but go ahead and register in the portal because you can do that now. But then start on that Excel worksheet. Just start gathering the information because just think of how much you don't remember that happened a year ago. If you wait until January of next year or March of next year, all of those memories are going to be gone. Start looking now, uh, especially if you don't fall into the July of 22 reporting period. You're, ta- you're reporting on something that was two years ago at yeah. that point. So start now. Okay. All right. So, yeah. So please don't forget to list down those coronavirus blasters onto that Excel spreadsheet so we don't forget to report them the following year and some of the other ancillary expenses related to fighting coronavirus. You know I'm going to have to Google this coronavirus blaster. <laughs> I'll, I'll send you the link. <laughs> How about that? It'll, it'll be easier. So... Well, thank you guys again. I'm sure the knowledge that was uh, shared with our listeners was very valuable and will be very helpful in the future. Um, and if, if and to our listeners, if you guys have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us to our email, which is info at eandassociates.com. And that and is spelled out A-N-D, not the symbol. We look forward to hearing from you guys. Until next time, take care. Thanks for listening today. Be sure to subscribe to Beyond Bite Wings on your favorite podcast platform. For more info, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, or reach out to us on our website. You can also shoot us an email at info at eandassociates.com.